When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Welcome to Car Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm your host, Scott Benjamin. And I am Kurt Guerin, and we are a man down today. Oh, yeah, that's right. I guess we're not going to have Ben in the studio with us. He got that escape, and he skipped town. <laughs> he did. He was mentioning the escape, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that's part of what's going on today. It just... For, so fans know, he will be back. I mean, he's just uh, taking the day off, really. So yeah. he might be gone today, might be gone for our next show, who knows, uh, one or two. But um, he, he definitely will be back. He's just out running some errands or doing uh, doing some important stuff. So ben, he always gets into some uh, some crazy adventures Yeah, when he goes out. So, yeah. uh, and I he think sometimes he, will tell you about them, and then sometimes he's real cryptic, you know? <laughs> yeah, sometimes he keeps <laughs> things close. Sometimes he can be a little yeah, close to the vest or uh, a, a little sketchy sometimes when he, when he says what he's doing. But, Shifty. Uh, but um, this is something actually that uh, the Ben and I in the past have had a, uh, I know we've had several conversations about uh, what we're going to talk about today. And I felt that, you know, since it's just you and I, maybe we could have a similar conversation or kind of a, a revamp of that with some, maybe some new information, maybe just some different stories mm-hmm. uh, to kind of pass around. But we're going to be talking about junkyards and I guess in the same sense, salvage yards. It's mm-hmm. all the same thing, really. Uh, but junkyards and salvage yards today. And Kurt, I, I asked you off air if you had much experience with junkyards in the past, and you said not necessarily, is that right? Yeah, and I don't uh, personally, but growing up in the South, you meet those folks that are, I mean, I say this with affection, but um, I'm talking about the junker types. And they go, they visit the salvage yard to find those parts that everyone hopes they find when they go to the salvage yards, you know, the parts that are desirable. Oh, these are the uh, the treasure seekers that you're, you're talking about, right? Yeah, those types. Yeah, I understand. You know, the people that, uh, and again, not in any way disparaging people to mm-hmm. go to junkyards because I am one or I used to be one that would love to kind of hang out in junkyards and, and gather things and, and find things and, and try to well, at least do my best to do that. I, mm-hmm. I I never really found any gems along the way. I never found anything that was really worth, uh, you know, hanging on the wall or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. If I if I'd looked harder when I was younger, I would still have some of those things that now would be classic items that would be great to have on the garage wall, you know, like maybe some old fenders or maybe, you know, a a grill or something. But at the time, you know, you're looking at the stuff and it's like it's not really old at that point, but now it would be 
classic parts. It would be something that, you know, you would look back at with nostalgia of some sort. But, mm-hmm. you know, I would find, um, you know, I, I would try to stop at places, you know, along the way. If I was taking a road trip, I'd, you know, if I was on my own, I was on my own schedule as well. I'd be able to pull off and, you know, check out the local junkyard in, you know, these small towns that I go through. And, you know, even if it's just well, I always say this, like, even if it's going to be 10 minutes, but it's not just 10 minutes, you get kind of caught up in the stuff, you know, walking around and looking at the, uh, the cars that get older as you go to the back of the lot mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and while we're reminiscing, I'll just say that I used to remember seeing junkyards, I mean, not everywhere, mm-hmm. but they were more common. You drive on the country roads and you would see junkyards, you know, here and there. Uh, and nowadays, at least down south, they're overgrown with kudzu now. You don't really see them. <laughs> yeah, and the junkyards right. seem to be more, you know, they're organized businesses more so than they are just um, a bunch of cars out in the field somewhere next to someone's house. Oh, you make a very good point here. So you're, you're talking about, uh, you know, the old, um, almost kind of started not by accident, but almost by accident. You know, they had yeah, a, a towing probably. business or something and started to store cars and, uh, you know, then decided, well, I'm going to start selling some parts from those cars mm-hmm. that I picked up. And, you know, they kind of, um, uh, they evolve that way. Yeah. So they become a small-time junkyard salvage yard dealer or they intended that and they, you know, have a few acres of property and they, they want to become that. But it does require some maintenance. It requires bringing in new vehicles occasionally, getting rid of the old vehicles sometimes when they're pretty much picked over, you know, to the point where it's just a big hunk of metal that no one can really use, rusted or or bent or, you know, damaged beyond repair. So there's some maintenance even with a small lot that's required. But we're talking about today, I think, in general, uh, we'll go back and forth a little bit, but we're talking about the ones that are the big ones where there's an inventory list online and and there are auctions that are held on the site, and they host specials. They charge admission to go in because they don't want people just going in because there's ways that people can go in there and actually make uh, not a living, but they can make a decent profit for the day, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, Especially if you know it, when they get the new cars in because they, they rotate the cars a little more frequently than they used to years ago. Oh, sure, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the old-time junkyards as well, the kind, you know, that are just kind of heaps of cars that are piled in there, mm-hmm. you know, kind of willy-nilly, and, and you can walk around and pick them, you know, pick out parts or, you know, look at whatever you want. And a long, long time ago, you know, when I was walking through some of these, you know, I, I remember being out in the middle of winter in the snow trying to uncover some things, and, you know, oh, there's an old 67 Mustang, and, uh, you know, nearby you might find the Mustang emblem from it. And, uh, you know, you could either purchase that or if you were on the uh, other side of things, you could maybe pocket that and walk <laughs> out. You know, I I didn't really, I never stole any parts. Um, I'll be honest with you. I didn't take anything. I, mm-hmm. I, I've been with people <laughs> no, okay. At, okay. At, at places that have done something like that. I didn't think it was, it just didn't feel right to me to be able to, to do something like that, um, to nab a part that normally, you know, this guy would have made a dollar off of or whatever. I just didn't feel right doing it. But a lot of people are okay with doing that and then buying something bigger also. You find a lot of parts walk out of, of junkyards. But maybe some of the like some of the coolest things I found, of course, you know, you find old vehicles that you're interested in, but you maybe just kind of passing fancy, you know, like you can look at it and say, oh, there's a 57 Chevy body. I haven't seen one of those in a long time. It's kind of cool to look in and see what's left and maybe check out. They've got an old stereo in there. They got the old steering wheel, maybe parts that people still might go back and pick, but, you know, are are kind of worthwhile looking at while you're there. I found an old car in a, now I went to school, high school in southeastern Michigan. And I was traveling up in northern Michigan, uh, not the UP, but right at the northern tip of Michigan, not the Upper Peninsula, but the Lower Peninsula. And my friends and I were walking around this uh, this lot in the wintertime, and we came across, I think it was an old microbus, uh, a VW microbus. Huh. 
had a, a parking sticker from our high school's parking lot from decades prior. <laughs> so somebody, I don't know if they had, how it ever, you know, there's, there's got to be a story to how it ended up where it did. have no idea how it ended up where it did. But that same lot was one where, you know, you'd walk around and you'd find that they've taken an old uh, camper top from a pickup truck maybe and put it on the ground and, and torn out the windows and put in chicken wire, and there were chickens living in there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they have crazy things like that laying around, you know, that you were, you're wondering, like, what is the story behind all this junk that's here? You're like, what, who's, who's, uh, who's the, the oddball character that's operating this place? And that is the thing, that if you go and, and you talk to the owners of these, you know, before you walk around, you'll find that a lot of times you're going to come across some real interesting characters, some people that have great stories to tell if you want to listen to them, or, you know, maybe maybe they're not so nice, maybe they're nice, maybe, you know, everybody has their own demeanor, and it's, and it's interesting to kind of figure out who who knows what in the area, you know, like who's, uh, who's an expert on Packards or Corvairs or maybe British sports cars, or, you know, who has, uh, you know, the uh, the market cornered on the import parts in this town, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, some of these bigger ones have sections that are that are just strictly for imports and some that are just for Chrysler and some Ford and some GM parts and other lots, you know, are, are kind of all mixed up. You know, there's there's all variety of things that you can find at these junkyards. And I know that's over explaining all this, you know, this this long, long lead into this whole thing. But some of these these lots, especially the newer ones, have an incredible amount of organization to them. And, and they're really meticulous about how they have them laid out. Yeah. They thrive on keeping their inventory somewhat fresh and organized and um, moderating it to a certain degree. Although, as I've found out, there's a lot of shenanigans that go on inside of these places as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, by uh, well, wait, by the customers or by yeah. the by the owners? By the customers. Oh, the customers. Well, maybe yeah, the owners right. too. But I'm talking more about <laughs> the people that go in there and you know, rifle through the cars. Yeah, you know, um, later, you know, as as we get toward uh, near the end of this, I would I would like to share some, uh, I guess what I'll call junkyard etiquette with you, if you don't mind. Can oh, we, I don't can mind we, at all. I think it would be little... valuable for people to hear that. Well, I think so, too, in case in case you ever find yourself in a junkyard and you uh, you just don't know, you know, which fork goes on which side, where your, uh, where your soup spoon goes, that kind of thing, mm-hmm, you know. Right. But, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely <laughs> junkyard etiquette, and people will call you out on these some mistakes if you if you make them. You know, some people get... Not angry, but um, ah, a little frustrated with your behavior if you're not doing things in the way that they feel is the proper way to do things. Because there are regulars to these. There are people that go back and regularly pick parts. You can make money by doing that if you know what to look for. And that's another kind of interesting angle of this whole thing is that, you know, if you know the valuable parts, keep your eyes open because you might just run across these at any point. You might be going for a part that you specifically need and run across something that you have kind of filed away in your memory bank as like, oh, that's something that people pay a lot of money for on eBay or on Craigslist or wherever. Mm-hmm. How hard would it be to pull that part out and sell it on eBay if you have an account? I mean, it's it, it might be pretty good profit generator for you. Even if it's just a small time thing, you know, like, you know, a part here or there, it might pay for the part that you're out there picking that day, which is a fantastic thing to have happen. I mean, if you're able to, you know, kind of make it a wash and get what you need as well, that's that's all the better. Yeah. I feel like every town has this group of people, though, that go just for that. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, finding these little gems and junkyards is actually not as easy as you would think. No, no, because there are a lot of people that are out there on the same hunt. For sure. Exactly the same yeah. hunt. And and you can find all these places online, and that's another, I, I guess, boy, is that an advantage or disadvantage, Kurt? I don't know, because it's a disadvantage to you, I suppose, but it's an advantage to uh, anybody that's willing to... <laughs> 
wanted to use it as that, you know, to, to kind of keep up on the, the new arrivals because that's another section on these websites. If you go to anything, any of these part sites that I'll mention here, and I'm just going to mention like three or four to give you an idea of the names that they go by. It's, you know, pull apart or you pull it or you pull and pay or you pull and save. They come in all flavors of this you pull and something or, you know, you pull parts or you pull whatever. Yeah. You pull crap. I don't know. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. But um, they, of course, have this stuff all categorized on their website and you can search for your vehicle and they'll tell you, yeah, we've got one vehicle that meets your criteria. It's within this age range, 2010 to 2012 model year Honda Accord or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And they can't tell you specifically exactly what's on the vehicle. You have to go there and really check that out for yourself. That's one of the downsides, I guess. It doesn't have every part listed. But that's really impossible to keep up with, as we said, because there are parts leaving from that vehicle every single day, every single hour, probably, if I had to guess, on some of the more popular models. So it pays to get in on these things early. And I said that they have, in all these categories, they have tabs listed for brand new vehicles to the lot. They have vehicles that are, I guess you can call them going, going, gone. You know, they're like the uh, the last minute before we actually just scrap this metal because there's only a few parts left. A lot of them will have used cars for sale, which is kind of interesting. That is. So cars that have a clean title that you are able to buy, and typically they're damaged, but they are running and driving. Not a salvage title, nothing like that that you have to worry about, because as I think we've, we've said on other shows, if you're going to buy a salvage car, you know, a flood car, a car that's been in a fire, or a car that's been damaged to the point where it can no longer be driven safely according to the insurance company that did the adjustment for it that said, you know, this is a, a total loss. If it has a salvage title, you have to have a license in order to be able to buy that vehicle, and that uh, that varies by state. If you search for your laws within your state, you'll find that you know there are a lot of different regulations and, and licenses that you have to apply for and different types of salvage licenses as well. Most often is the case that we're um, – I went through a few of these states and uh, and checked out what, what it would take to get a salvage license, uh, you know, like Texas and here in Georgia and I think Wisconsin and places like that, just kind of scattered all over the U.S. And I found that um, – a lot of them require you to have a, uh, a piece of property that is not your primary residence with a certain amount of acreage with, uh, you know, you have to have a certain amount of insurance as well. And uh, it's just, just really complicated the, um, you know, the requirements and the fees, the qualifications that you have to have. And there's, you know, of course, the federal and state laws that come into this as well, including some EPA guidelines that you have to follow, your property and your treatment of that vehicle have to follow that. So, you know, the draining of fluids or the capture of gases that might be in that vehicle, you know, whether it's refrigerant or, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, so the, the whole thing is really an interesting process when you get right down to it. There's a, there's a lot involved with buying a salvage vehicle. So the implication there is that you would be buying it to put on in your own salvage yard. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be buying a crash vehicle that you most likely would have to, you know, throw on a, um, uh, a flatbed and bring mm-hmm. it to your, your property and just dump it off in the lot, wherever it goes. Because a lot of them, as you said, uh, we keep wandering away from this, but there's so much organization now, which is really fascinating to me. And I don't know if you've seen this or not. One of the places that I used to go, again, in Michigan, and I think this is common in a lot of junkyards of the past, where they used to just be piles of cars. Then they went to, oh, we're going to kind of lay these out like they're in a, uh, in a parking lot. And of course, it doesn't matter if they're parked in so because no one's moving these cars really so uh, you can park them several deep and you know make a kind of a grid work of them and that's something that a lot of places still do and then there are other places like the one that I used to go to now that I've I've looked at photos online and they have started to store vehicles on racks so huh. you know there might be three or four vehicles 
high. And if you need one from up above, you have to get somebody with a, uh, a forklift to come out and lower that vehicle down to you and just see if you have the part on there that you need, or unless you can, you know, spot it from down on the ground. It becomes a little bit more complicated, but the the yard itself can stock or can carry more vehicles and, you know, not at the expense of having to pile them on top of each other, which would damage panels, it would damage all the windows in the vehicle, it would bend components that otherwise would be useful. So this is a much better way to do it, I think. And, and the cataloging, I mean, it, essentially what we're talking about here, <laughs> Kurt, is that... Things have just been really cleaned up quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, it's not the the dirty, old, musty location that you might think it was in the past or, you know, like grease-soaked areas. It's still, you know, you still get your hands dirty and you still get dirty climbing underneath vehicles and pulling stuff out, but they're a lot cleaner than they used to be. Yeah. It's part of the recycle process for the vehicles. They go through this life cycle out on the road and then for whatever reason they end up in a salvage yard. And then um, eventually, after they're done there, after they're picked over, they go on to wherever cars go next. They guess scrap. <laughs> yeah, they become soup cans somewhere, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> eventually. Eventually. That's long down the road, yeah, hopefully. Toasters and whatnot. Yeah, they become uh, the engine block for the next vehicle. Yeah. 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 And there's big money to be made in this, too. Mm-hmm. I don't have any facts and figures about what, you know, the average salvage yard owner makes or anything like that. If you uh, were to part out, let's say, your typical Toyota Camry. You're going to find that that Toyota Camry is worth many, many times the value of what it is as a complete vehicle in parts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you start piecing out those parts and they're worth quite a bit of money each and it and it amounts to, as a total, way more than that car is worth sitting on the curb. Here's the other side of that. If, if that's your car, if you own that Camry and you suddenly realize like, oh, well, crap, it's got a lot of stuff wrong with it. You know, the transmission's gone, the engine's gone. I, I mean, and I mean gone like they don't operate anymore, but it's there. You take it somewhere to sell it for scrap metal or you sell it, you know, to a, to a salvage yard. They're going to give you just a few dollars for it. I mean, you're going to make 50 bucks on it or something like that. It's a very low payout for you. They make a lot of money on the parts and then they take the hunk of metal to the recycling place, which then will melt it down and make even more money off of that. But in the end, uh, they're only going to make a few cents on the pound for those vehicles when they get rid of them. It's just a, a metal weight thing. And I've recently had some experience, you know, with, uh, with metal recycling yards, and we'll talk about that later maybe. But it's an interesting business. It really is um, to see exactly what's going on there and, and, and how once you take something that, you know, takes up so much space in your own, your own home, you know, you've got all this metal laying around, you know, hot water heater and engine parts and, you know, whatever the metal is in your, uh, maybe an old bed frame, something like that, mm-hmm. you take it to the scrapyard to get rid of. And it looks like it's just a, a you know a grain of sand on the beach. It's mm. really nothing because these lots are so big. Yeah. But it's all very fascinating to me. I, I I love the order and the process of the whole thing. And I mean, even though it does look a little bit haphazard at times, and some are run better than others, but it, for the most part, they're very well organized and very efficient about what they do. One thing that recently I've been thinking about, I need a couple of uh, I got I got road rash on a couple of my wheels on the uh, passenger side. Or curb rash, not road rash. That would be terrible, I mean, <laughs> especially in a car. I mean, maybe if I owned a motorcycle, that'd be yeah. more understandable. But no, curb rash on the on the rims. Uh-huh. And I'm looking like, is it worth it for me to put a lot of time and effort into these things and clean them up and sand them and paint them and try to make them match and you know all that? Or do I want to find a pull apart place and just find 
two rims that are, you know, very gently used because a lot of people turn, you know, in cars that have been wrecked on the other side or, you know, whatever. And you can get two rims pretty easy to match the ones I've already got. They're factory rims for a relatively low price. And I've actually, I've already found a couple that were are very reasonably priced. I mean, without tires, of course, they don't leave those on. But a lot of times you'll find places if you want something like that, if you want something that a lot of people go there for, you know, whether it's maybe... Uh, you know, spare tire for your vehicle. They might pull all of those out and put them on a rack inside. Or if you want rims like I need, they're going to put those on racks inside and they'll have sometimes hundreds of these rims to choose from. So, you know, some in varying degrees of condition. So, you know, they might have a couple nicks or some of them might look brand new. Going to charge a little more for them, but, you know, still beats buying one from the dealer or brand new from the factory. So, you know, there's a lot of bargains and and really good buys to be found there at uh, some of these these pull-apart places. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. I felt like I had to, to mention this. And uh, you had brought this up earlier. We were talking about the salvage yard in Breaking Bad. Well, that's what got me thinking about this topic when Ben and I were talking about the cars in Breaking Bad. Yeah. And then uh, in that show, anyway, the junkyard was a place where the characters would conceal a lot of their activities. The junkyard helped them do it. What did they do? They crushed the RV there, right? Yeah. They also got the magnet. 
They used to destroy the computer's hard drive that was stored in the police evidence room from the junkyard. Oh, the electromagnet with, yeah. the, with the car batteries. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Genius. Genius yeah. move. That, right. that uh, owner was named Joe, I think was his name. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, and also he made an appearance in the uh, the sequel or the uh, the bonus, which was uh, El Camino, mm-hmm. right? With, with Jesse. And uh, he was going to be, he was going to pick up the El Camino. And then the load, oh boy, I'm, I'm, I guess I should say spoiler alert. A lot of people say that now, but uh, if you haven't seen El Camino, turn it off right now. I feel like it's been enough it, time. I it, mean, it, if you it, haven't seen it yet, you are not super interested. You're so. probably not going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, he's going to come pick up the El Camino uh, that Jesse escapes in. And mm-hmm. then yeah. as he's looking over the vehicle to take it away and, and do the same thing as he did with the RV, he's quickly notified via this device that he has, you know, that, that tells him that the, uh, the LoJack systems have been activated on it. So he, uh, he hightails it out of there. And so that's all, that's all we see of him in El Camino. But he was back again. He was ready to do the deed that he did for them earlier as yeah. well. He's going to help them out, right? So yeah. that was kind of interesting. But stuff like that happens in real life, maybe to a different degree. It doesn't take too long to do a search where you can find uh, people have, you know, tried to cover up murders in crushed vehicles. They would put a body in a vehicle, crush the vehicle, send the vehicle off. It's gone. And they think that they're, you know, completely free and clear of ever having any evidence on their hands, right? Not the case. It, 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 they'll always catch it. Well, they'll making a murderer, that show or the crime took place and was concealed in a junkyard. Sure. Yeah. So there's, there's one example. I've got a couple others that are recent. And I know that these have happened in the past, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying that it hasn't happened where they've gotten away with it. I'm sure it's happened that way as well. It, mm-hmm. you know, um, evaded, evaded capture, but some of them go back as, as recent as 2008. There was a, actually, and this is a different one. This isn't maybe something, I don't know, not the same category maybe, but there was an accident where a customer was actually crushed in a junkyard, which I would assume happens more often than you would think. Um, not every day by any means. I bet it used to happen quite often. I bet it did when there were piles of vehicles and mm-hmm. people were trying to climb up to see what's in that vehicle, you know, not wait, not wanting to wait around for the crane or, you know, whatever to bring it down to the, the, the ground level. I would bet that happened a lot. In fact, this one happened in uh, Belleville, Illinois in 2008. A Honda Accord fell on top of a 47-year-old man that was in, uh, in the lot just kind of checking for parts. Tragic story, I, I mean, of course, but... Another type of uh, thing that we were talking about before is where there's actually a murder that someone's trying to cover up. And this happened, a double murder actually happened in 2016, and this was in Russellville, Arkansas. If you have any interest in reading about this case, there's actually a follow-up on it. They caught the individual that was running the yard. It was his deed, his, uh, his crime, and he was trying to cover it up. But they did find the, uh, they found two bodies in the car. It was two young kids that he had shot, and hmm. I don't know what, if, what part of the deal went bad here, but he ended up shooting and killing them, and his family, the victim's families, actually found the vehicles that they were crushed in, found, and, and this is so awful. <laughs> he says, uh, so he's letting them kind of walk around the yard and look for him because this is the last place they were seen, so the family's walking around looking for, you know, evidence of what happened. They find, you know, some things. They find, uh, I don't know, a cell phone, a shoe, whatever it was find something, but they find a vehicle where there's blood leaking out of the trunk. Hmm. And yeah, you would think that would be a, a dead giveaway, right? And the guy acts totally calm about the whole thing and says, now, nah, you know what, that's, uh, that, here, here's this, the, the awful thing he says. He says, a dog got in the car, accidentally crushed it, it happens all the time. Uh, you know, that's just happens the way all it the is. Time. Huh. That's just the way it is. But he says it happens all the time. And I was thinking, how many, like, stray dogs end up crushed in cars? That's awful. I, I don't know. Well, he obviously wasn't telling the truth. No, so he I was clearly, embellishing a little bit. Yeah, he's just trying to, you know, side Get away with the, it. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. But 
Anyways, it's a, it's a weird story. If you go back to uh, Russellville, Arkansas, you know, online search, Google, whatever, you're going to find this story from 2016 with uh, some updates later of, you know, where they actually captured this guy and, and what he claimed and, you know, what, what was happening there. Gosh, another couple things I want to mention just briefly before we get to the editor. Yeah, are they scary, though? No. They're kind of scaring <laughs> me away from going to a junkyard. No, you know, I, I could have done a much better uh, job telling that story if I, if I had really worked on it, but... It's probably best you, yeah. you did it. Probably best we just breezed over it. Yeah, exactly right. It's probably best. No no nightmares here in this, uh, not in this series. Yeah. How about something a little fun then? How about that? I, I'm down. This is fun. And it actually is kind of fun to watch this. It, this is one that you'll chuckle at, and it's a short watch anyways, but it's something you can find on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I believe I did mention this when Ben and I talked, but you haven't seen this yet, so you might want to check this out. And other listeners or new listeners might want to do it. What's fun to watch is when they have uh, these events at these junkyards, and they do sort of infrequently, but they will have, you know, you pay by, normally you pay by the component or by weight or however they, they deem that part valuable, right? Mm. In some cases, they will charge you a flat rate for anything you can carry. Now, okay, we've all heard of this, right? Like you put stuff in a bucket at a part store and everything in the bucket is $10. Right. You know, whatever you can reasonably fit in the bucket is $10. This is, of course, all you can carry at a junkyard takes on a whole different meaning, right? So a lot of cases, they will, uh, they'll promote these, and they'll have, you know, kind of a, a big setup where you have to carry your parts. Usually it's like 15, 20, maybe, maybe as far as 25 feet through an area like a, it's coned off, you know, like there's a start and finish line. Parts can't touch the ground. You have to be physically oh, really? carrying the parts. Rules. Yeah, you rule, there are rules to this. And you can use um, you can use seat belts as straps. You can make your own straps. <laughs> uh, you can use pipe if you find it, you know, a section of pipe that you want to use or rope if you want to use that to make kind of slings that you can carry things. This is the craziest thing, Kurt. You, if you watch, you know, these they're, they're like five-minute videos usually. And uh, the ones that I'm thinking of are <laughs> these guys would uh, they would dig seatbelts out of other cars, right? So they'd dig out, you know, the, the both, you know, the connection points. So mm-hmm. that's an easy strap to make, right? They would make a, a backpack out of the front seat of, let's say, a van or something like that, maybe. So it's a, a bucket seat. They put that on their back like a backpack and then have somebody load up the seat cushion you know, as they lean forward so they can stack as much stuff on that as they can as they go across. I saw a guy carry a Volkswagen engine on his back, a, a van seat and a Volkswagen engine with a seatbelt, uh, you know, like seatbelt harness over his shoulders. Wow. Um, sometimes they'll take an axle, put it across their shoulders and use that kind of like um, a yoke mm-hmm. and carry <laughs> carry a full set of four tires with rims for trucks, like big trucks, I mean. It looks like they're in a like a strongman competition when they're walking. You know, like those ridiculous competitions mm-hmm. where they, they carry just enormous objects that you would think they yeah. can't move. Yeah. It World's looks like strongest the, man or it whatever. It looks like that. And, and then you'll get other people that are just carrying an impossible pile of stuff. It looks like, um, I guess, maybe a big Dr. Seuss pile of things. You know, like yeah. it looks like it's it's kind of like curvy at the top. It's not balanced at all, really. And they're trying to balance it and, you know, going back and forth as they carry it and use their chin to balance things. It's It's hilarious to watch. Sometimes you think... Oh man, these you know they're going to get a hernia doing this, you know, because some of these loads are so heavy. Other times, people just are happy to carry a bumper across and get that for seventy five bucks, and they're, yeah. they're fine. Uh, but for the most part, the the funny ones, the ones that you want to catch, are the ones that are doing these impossible things. You know, the the ones that are you know again trying to to uh, carry and carry an engine on their back. And these these backpack things are are just so funny to look at. Do you have to be on two feet, or can you be crawling, or just kind of like you know, shimmying I'm, across the ground? Because I feel like you could stack a bunch of stuff up on somebody 
and like have them just kind of well, that's a new snake it across the finish line. That's a new strategy. I didn't see anybody that was uh, was crawling. I, I've only seen them carrying them. There like, may be a rule up. against that. Maybe, maybe. Now I will tell you this: you'll see people that, and I watch this carefully. They they will um they'll get a hood from a vehicle, so that is like uh, as big as this table that we're in front of here, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll put it upside down, and then they'll pile everything on top of that, and then they'll carry that, but. As they're carrying it, someone will have a cart underneath that it's not touching, you know, that they're just like hovering above. Mm-hmm. But just in case it falls, they don't want to, you know, destroy everything. So, you know, it'll fall a couple of inches onto the cart. So it may look like they're cheating the system a little bit, but really they're, they're lifting that item and carrying it across the line. So um, just kind of one of those fascinating, fun things to watch. I mean, it, it really will only take you a couple of minutes, but it's worthwhile. I'll check it out. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You want to talk about junkyard etiquette now? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So I found a couple of uh, people that were talking about this type of thing on YouTube, and those were the ones I found interesting because, you know, they can take you out on the lot and, and show you exactly what they mean. They've got examples of everything. You know, these are people that are that frequent the lot. And in one case, I think uh, one of these guys actually works at the lot. So he's got some of the best pro tips that I've heard. 
There's one guy that um, I'll mention here. He only had five quick tips, and I'll be pretty quick with this one. The next one's a little bit longer, but we'll still buzz through it pretty quick. But this first one is uh, is five things to avoid doing at a salvage yard. That's the title of the video, and it's by a guy who goes by Robert DIY, and he's at the U Pull and Pay Lot. And I don't know where the U Pull and Pay Lot is, but it's somewhere warm. It looks like it might have been California. But he tells you what you should and shouldn't do, actually what you shouldn't do mostly at the lot. And he has these kind of broken down into um, courtesy and safety. So he's got five quick things here. And the first one is a courtesy thing, and it's uh, bring your own tools. That's pretty obvious, right? Yeah. Uh, you don't want to uh, have somebody borrowing your tools while you're there. And he said that how many times – he's he, it's funny. When you listen to this guy doing this, he's, he's kind of griping about it a little bit. So he's saying, you know, I'm working on whatever. I've got, you know, my uh, – you know, rear end up in the air and I've got my head down into an, an engine bay and someone taps me on the shoulder and wants to borrow my socket set. And he said, fine, but, you know, then I've got to worry about not only remembering that when I'm, I'm leaving, but I also have to maybe track you down if you, you know, walk two or three aisles away. I don't know where you are and you might have taken off with it. I don't know. So um, bring your own tools. That's just a, a general courtesy to other people on the lot. You don't want to uh, make a nuisance of yourself. Uh, the next thing is, he says, don't make a big mess. Keeping the walking path clean after you're done is important. That's uh, that's safety and courtesy as well, as we'll find out. But um, I think everybody knows generally that if you've got a clean work area, that's generally a safer work area too. I mean, you're not, that's right. you're not trying that's to... Right, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kurt. Yeah, I feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm like a shop teacher up here, you know, like with a, with a whiteboard. Like, listen, kids, a clean work area is a, is a safe work area. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, is people know this. They know these things. Well, yeah. They just don't care. Treat it as if you you were in your own garage, I guess. Yeah. You know, you don't want to stumble over all this crap in order to get to the vehicle again the next time, and you would clean up your work area. A lot of people, you know, just find that very frustrating that some people don't. Oh, it's super frustrating. You leave parts all over the place. It's like, you know, leaving your grocery cart in the middle of the road there, the grocery store. Exactly. Okay, number three. Don't destroy other parts to get at your part. Now, this is a courtesy thing, obviously. Yeah. Just be considerate for the next person because whatever you decide that you can just kind of tear through to get to your part, you know, if you break things or bend things or take them off sloppily, you know, you pry things off instead of actually removing them, that might be the part that someone is coming to get. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- there's a common courtesy there. If you're going to have to dig to get to something, preserve everything that's in your way as well and, you know, leave it off to the side for somebody else. You know, once they, uh, once they get there, they will be much happier with you if they find that, you know, you haven't, uh, you haven't destroyed the, the valve cover or whatever to get to your, you know, your springs or your lifters or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and also in a bigger picture of this is if you look at the whole salvage experience as being a way to make use of stuff that's been discarded, mm-hmm. being nice to the parts you don't need, helps that process. Yeah, sure. You know? So it's just better for the whole system if you don't damage parts that you don't need or that it, you don't intend to use. It allows the system that you're there to take advantage of to continue is what it does, really. I mean, it True. allows yeah. it to keep going. Because if they're yeah. not, not going to make any profit on this stuff, they're not going to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And how frustrating is that if you, you know, you know they've got the vehicle that you want there, which is already kind of a long shot. So you get there and you find, oh, there, there's one right there. We do have one on the lot. They mm-hmm. go to find it. And the part that you need is there only it's damaged. Mm-hmm. And now you're back at square one, you know, where you have to go and find that vehicle and that part again somewhere else or wait for another one to show up. So it just becomes a big frustration. The next one, I guess this comes after uh, you've, you know, removed the other parts. Uh, don't scatter parts to other cars nearby. So if you have to take off, you know, a tail lens to get to a wiring uh, harness or a, a clip or whatever you need in the back end, 
take that tail lamp and put it inside the, the trunk of the vehicle or set it back in place on the bumper so that people can see it. Don't throw it in the truck bed of the car next to you because uh, they'll never find it. And, and if they do, they might not know what it's for. So they might see this tail ends in that truck and, and think, well, uh, there's a, a chance that it's the one that goes to this. I'm not sure really. You know, I mean, it's, it could be very confusing to somebody if you start scattering parts or throwing them into the interior of another vehicle or the engine bay of another vehicle. So, But that's probably a good thing to do if you are looking for a part for a certain car and you don't see it, just check the vehicle next to it. That's, just, just in case. That's a good tip. Maybe and I th- it's I, over there. I, I, think, I think that comes up on my next page here. But, uh, oh, really? so you may, Yeah, you've probably I've, been reading ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and the last thing, and I'll just mention this one quickly. I, I think this one goes without saying, really, but uh, don't break glass or windows. I mean, there's no need to do that. And I've seen plenty of photos and videos of, you know, just a bumper that's just tossed through a, a rear window for no good reason. I mean, just something that, you know, somebody felt like doing or, or wanted to do out of frustration. I don't know. I don't know why somebody would do that. But um, again, this stacking of vehicles on racks is saving a lot of glass now that was damaged earlier. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that's, uh, that is a positive. All right. So I think that was a pretty good list of five there from Robert DIY on YouTube. So uh, the next one is uh, about, of course, junkyard etiquette again. And this is from a YouTube user called Bleepin' Jeep. And uh, of course, this guy is focused on Jeep parts. So mm-hmm. everything here in this list um, I've taken out the Jeep references, I think, to most of it, but most of them were concerning how to get parts out of a Jeep, really. Um, but he had some great tips, and this was, this guy had on a pull-apart pull shirt from here in Atlanta, so I don't I mean, know he's local to us, you know, where we record the show, but I don't know in particular if he works there or just happens to be a, a huge fan of pull-apart, <laughs> or maybe they were allowing him to film there, so that's why he was wearing the shirt, you know, a little promotion mm-hmm. or something, but... Mm-hmm. Anyways, all that aside, he had some great tips, I thought, for uh, for what you should and shouldn't do on a lot. And the first one, actually what you should do, really, is, uh, rem- oh, this is a good tip. Remove your part ahead of time so you know the tools that you'll need when you get there. And you'll also know if you need additional parts. So take off that, I think he used a, a um, washer fluid bottle in mm-hmm. the car at home that he had. And he said, okay, I'm taking this off at home so I know... I need an 8-millimeter socket, and I need these crimpers, and I need, you know, whatever it was. He had a bunch of tools that he needed. And he also knew that there's a risk in damaging this connector when I pull it off here. It's a Christmas tree connector that gets damaged when I remove it. So I'll probably need to look for one of those as well. And, and it allows you to get every single thing you need rather than get home and realize you need just that one other part that you did see there and have to go back and get it again. That'd yeah. be and if Super you end up breaking a clip or something, you kind of know to look out for that as well or, exactly. or pick that up when you're there. Yeah, exactly. Any hardware or anything like that that you might also want to look for, definitely uh, that's the time to do it is before you even go to the lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing is that it, um, when you get to the lot and you've brought your own tools, of course, wait to take all of your tools onto the yard until you check it out, until you go out there and make sure that you know the part that you want is on that vehicle because a lot of people will bring out a full toolbox and they'll bring out a lot of, you know, maybe a jack and, you know, everything that's really heavy out there into the lot. And if you can save yourself the uh, the effort of walking all the way out there with that, you know, maybe sloshing through the mud or <laughs> grease or whatever, and uh, and getting to the vehicle and finding that, you know, somebody had either damaged the part or it's missing or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, just saves your back in some cases, you know. So when you're taking out a piece uh, from a car, a part from a car, just always bring the hardware, the nuts, bolts, washers, oh, yeah. whatever with you. Um, it, it just makes sense. I mean, it, just in case, because if you haven't done the step that I told you about first, where you, you know, take the part off, if you, if you neglected that, maybe you'll need it anyway. Just um, make sure that you have the extra hardware with you. Uh, the next one, oh, this is a clever one. 
If you want to kind of reduce the tools in your toolbox, you can always look around for a piece of pipe to use as a breaker bar. So let's say you have to oh, remove... Oh, for more leverage. Yeah, yeah. So okay. let's say you got a socket and you need some more of a leverage to get the uh, the spare tire off the back of, oh, what, a Jeep. What do you know? <laughs> so, you know, the, that rear-mounted wheel, he mm-hmm. was trying to use a, a socket and um, didn't have enough leverage. And But he went and got a piece of tailpipe from another vehicle that was laying right next door, you know, or next door. Lucky and, him. Yeah, right nearby. <laughs> uh, he grabbed the tailpipe and, uh, and used that as kind of a... a great big breaker bar and it worked perfect so mm-hmm. it didn't have to carry it in his toolbox and it was just there and available plus you know you find you need stuff like that you have to kind of you know improvise on the fly and that's always smart to do as well um this is a good one too if you forget uh to bring your pb blaster or your penetrating oil which a lot of people take with them in their toolkit that's a smart thing to bring is uh you know because you know these cars are out in the elements mm-hmm. and who knows how old they are probably the parts a lot of parts have never been removed uh so bring some kind of uh you know penetrating oil to get those parts out easier you can always use brake fluid from any available car that's on the lot as that. So you might dip your wrench into it or a stick or whatever you've got nearby and kind of drip a few drops onto that nut or bolt or whatever is, you know, you're trying to break free. Brake fluid works really well as penetrating oil in a pinch. I mean, it's better to use the stuff that's formulated for it. But again, you can find, you know, brake fluid in just about any reservoir on the lot. You'll find at least a few drops you can get out of there if they're not, you know, completely full. I thought that was a good tip. Um, carpets and floorboards can be used as like protection mats if you're going to get underneath the vehicles because most of these places are on gravel or there's a puddle underneath or there's, um, you know, maybe you just rained. Maybe it's a dirt lot and it's all muddy. And I know you're already sloppy. You're at the junkyard anyway. But, you know, why make it worse? Why, why make yourself miserable? You know, if you don't want to lay down in the mud and get underneath the car, take a, a, a you know, a mat from the back end of a, an SUV or you know, maybe a, a bed liner from a truck or whatever. Use that as a mat to lay on. Just be smart about it, and you can uh, sometimes, you know, maybe save your back. You know, you won't get all those uh, cuts and nicks and bruises on you. Um, or glass in some case, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, here's the other one. Okay, this is what you were talking about. Check surrounding vehicles for your missing parts. If you get there and the part that you're looking for is missing, but it looks like somebody had removed it to get to their part, Look inside the vehicles that are nearby in the immediate uh, nearby vicinity because even if they left it out in the aisleway, maybe when someone came around to clean up the lot because they do send people around from the facility to clean up the aisleways for safety, they don't know which vehicle it goes in. It could either go into, you know, this one over here on my left or on the right. They might make the mistake of throwing it in the wrong vehicle. So check that other vehicle, as you said, Kurt. Okay, here's another one. Oh, Oh, this is a good one and so simple. Always return your tools to the toolbox. So many people go there and they end up losing a good number of tools. And we all do this in our own garage, I know. And I, I'm careful about this. I have been for a long time. When I'm working on something down in the engine bay, I will uh, I will often set tools, you know, here and there on the uh, uh, like on the the rails of the frame up by the fenders or you know wherever it's nearby that you know I can I think I'm going to remember them right. Mm-hmm. Set them on top of the airbox or you know whatever. I don't know how many times I've shut the hood and then realized, oh, I left my screwdriver in there. I've left my, or it's in a, you know, the hood is allowed to shut. It's not going to damage it, but, you know, it's in a critical spot or, you know, it'd fall off. A lot of people will do that at the junkyard and then leave. And then, of course, you got to pay your admission to get back in to find that tool. And oftentimes you just forget it. You just leave it. Or the next person that comes by will pick it up anyway. So a lot of lost tools at the the junkyard. But if you just... Think about that rule. Like once you're done with that screwdriver, put it in your wheelbarrow, your toolbox, whatever. Do it every single time. Don't just leave them laying around like you do at home, because uh, you know the consequences are a little more, a little more dire. Yeah. You know, you're you're automatically going to lose that tool. 
Okay, we've already talked about this a little bit, but keep your eyes open for special uh, gems, as they like to call them, you know, treasures that, components that you might be able to list on eBay or some other site, you know, that are valuable to some people. Even if you're not there for that part, you might be able to pick up something that's valuable and worthwhile for you, or for somebody else, rather, that might turn a little profit for you for that day. So not bad, not a bad idea. Um, okay, another good one, too. Boy, these are all really good. There are no full-size batteries allowed on the lot, usually. You're not allowed to carry in a car battery with you. And that's for obvious reasons. You might hook up components that, you know, would deploy airbags or, you know, whatever. That's probably a safety. I think it's a big safety issue, right? There's probably other reasons as well, I'm sure. You could start fires and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So what you can do, though, and I didn't know you could do this, you can use a cordless drill battery with alligator clips to test component, small components. Mm-hmm. You're able to test the operation of windows. Let's say that you're going to buy a, a regulator for a door that you you know you have damaged. You hook that up to the switch, and you find out that yeah, the window does raise and lower as it's you know should. Or you know you could even check. Uh, I think he checked a fuel injector by clipping these together, and it made a clicking noise, and it's and that indicated that it was working. Very clever ways to do this if you look up how to do it ahead of time. Don't just go in there and expect to be able to figure it out. One really cool thing that I saw him do on uh, another Jeep, imagine that, uh, it was a Grand Cherokee. He was, he was talking about pulling an engine out of a Grand Cherokee and didn't know the uh, the condition. Of course, it's got a digital readout for the mileage and was curious about the possible condition of the engine, uh, mileage in particular. So he tears out. He takes out the uh, the dashboard and hooks up right to the back of it. He probes the wires and figures out which one is you know positive and negative. Hooks it up and it gives it just enough power to be able to show you the uh, the mileage. You know the odometer uh, comes up. So this one I think had one hundred and thirty thousand miles. And he said, well, that's you know relatively low miles for being here. And it looks like it's in decent shape. I'll I'll take a risk. You know I'll take the gamble on that one. I feel like getting an engine from Pull Apart is yeah. bad news. <laughs> yeah, but see, some people are so crafty, so talented that they don't even worry about that. They just throw it, throw it in the back of the pickup truck, and I'm sure it's going to work fine. I, I wish I was more that way. I'm not that level. Uh, the last one here that I'll leave you with is find an old wiring harness and use it for spare wire. Now, not just use it as a wiring You can find any wiring harness you want, but... Here's the point, and I never thought of it this way. You know, they're all wrapped up usually typically in either uh, electrical tape or they've got, you know, some type of sleeve on them. But this is really clever because, you know, you go to the auto parts store and you want to buy wire, you know, for whatever project, an accessory you're going to put on. Uh, Typically, they sell wire in a few different colors. You know, they've got maybe three or four different colors and that's about it. You know, and they're basic colors, solid colors typically. So you look at a wiring harness, though, it's got every color in the rainbow practically and lots of it. So you might find 15 feet or 30 feet of wire that, you know, has a color that you need. And and overall, this whole thing might have, you know, 300 feet of wire complete in it. So you try to figure out, you know, then what that wire is worth per foot. And it's definitely worthwhile to buy this wiring harness for, you know, 20 bucks or whatever they're going to charge you for, as long as you just, as long as you have an intended use for it. But you've got every color you might need, and you can closely match the one that you have without any confusion. So, you know, even if you do have to splice in a different color or a different, you know, what a different lead, you'll be able to keep them all separate. You know, that you don't have a situation where you've got, you know, three red wires going to something and have to figure out which is which, you know, once you get to the other end without a little tab of tape that has a number written on it. You know, it's a lot easier that way. Yeah. So uh, yeah, some really clever ideas. There's a, there's a lot of junkyard etiquette, a lot of junkyard videos. Man, I've been talking like a mile a minute over here. Any, <laughs> yeah, uh, the junkyards really excite you. Scott. Well, they, they kind of do. They, they used to excite me a lot more, and I'll, I'll admit I haven't been to one in a long, long time. And I kind of got, you know, the, the, the taste you for it again. I, I want to go again because there's a couple things I need for my car. Mm-hmm. I kind of am excited about, you know, seeing the way they've evolved, the way they've developed. I went 
with my last car, I went toward the end of its life uh, to try to find some parts. Unsuccessful, I didn't find it. But I think, you know, I'd like to give it another shot to see if I can find some of those odds and ends, you know, maybe a part that's cracked or worn on my car that, you know, I'd like to replace and just see what I can find. It's always fascinating because it's like it is it's a bit like a treasure hunt. And you're so excited when you find the little part that you need and it's only a couple of bucks versus having to go to the dealer, order the brand new part, wait a few days. And not only, you know, the, the price, uh, you know, the whole thing, but there's also, you know, the satisfaction. Yeah, a little bit of a rush yeah. people get from this. Yeah, a little bit, I yeah. think. Yeah. One cool junkyard you ought to check out. It's not a car junkyard, though. It's in Bangladesh. And I got to dance around this word and make sure I pronounce the city <laughs> correct. It was in Chittagong, Bangladesh. I'm not even going to try that. Yeah, I think I got it right. And uh, it's a ship graveyard. It started out in 1960 after a storm disabled a Greek ship there, and five years later, Chittagong Steelhouse bought the ship, scrapped it, and then the industry began. Yeah. And it turned into this massive just dump of ships and ship parts. And What kind of ships are we talking about? We're talking like, about gigantic ocean-bearing freighters. No kidding. Yes. Oh, wow. So, there are no regula- There were no regulations here, and I think they're still fairly lax on the regulations. Whoa. So as you can imagine, it's pretty sludgy and just disgusting. And sure. There's um, kids and young adults out there working as scrappers. Oh, they're just cutting metal off cutting, of them? Yeah, with uh, torches. Oh, wow. And they're probably like standing in puddles of oil while they're oil doing it or something. Oil and whatever, huh? yeah. Holy cow, yeah. that's crazy. It so, is crazy. Well, uh, okay, uh, I'm going to try it, okay. Okay. Chittagong? Chittagong, yeah. Chittagong, and boy, you got to really be really careful when you say ship right after that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could be quite a uh, quite a mistake. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'd have to pay for if we had to. Had to. But, um, oh, that is so cool. I'm going to do that immediately yeah. after this because you I You can probably I love see the oil leaking out into the ocean <laughs> oh, from this. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. That's just terrible. But uh, but interesting to look at, I'll tell you that. And, you know, if it was nearby, uh, that'd be a nice uh, day excursion to go over and check something like that out because where else in the world are you going to find that? I, I know. Mean, really. It's a sight. And, of course, I wouldn't think that this type of thing will be around forever due to the environmental impact. I'm sure the ship graveyard will eventually be no more. Well, there's uh, there's airplane graveyards, of course, out, out west yeah. and, and in the southwest here in the United States. Well, and those are much more organized. Yeah, definitely they are. and uh, and But they're really cool to look at mm-hmm. as well. I mean, they're fascinating to see. Um, I wondered, you know, I've never heard this. Does NASA have any kind of graveyard like this where they... Uh, store some of the old, you know, the, I don't know. The, I'm the sure space they do. junk that they've recovered. Or I believe at the airplane graveyards, there are some space shuttles there. Oh, really? Okay. Um, but I'm sure they have a bunch of other stuff, you know, that yeah. they, like rocket. And... Well, you know what? Sometimes you'll be in a smaller town, and I'm trying to think of where this was in particular. I went past one recently that, you know, they have a, a space museum. Maybe there's an, uh, a story behind it. There might be an astronaut that comes from the town or something, and they'll have, you know, like... <laughs> I'm going to make this up. I don't know if this is one or not, but a Saturn V rocket standing on end, yeah. you know, with the advertisement for the museum, you know, just three miles down the road this way, you know, yeah. on the main highway. They have stuff like that all over the place. So I know that, you know, these things are available. I just wonder how they get to them. You know, like, where? how do you access that? How do you, you know, get the permission to bring something like that to your small town mm-hmm. and use it? And and is that something that you could do, you know, as a as a private citizen, as an individual? Could you go and... Yeah, pick something you like that up. Money, yeah. I guess. I mean, you got to have enough property for something like that too. I don't think the neighbors would be too happy. You know, you get a, a great big Soviet era missile on your property. You know, yeah. it might, uh, might look a little bit uh, intimidating. You know, you might be trying to make a statement. With yeah, that. this is kind of on subject, but not really. Okay. And I don't know if you you remember this or if you were living down here at the time, but there was an airplane 
I think it was in Byron, Georgia, mm-hmm. off the interstate, and it was a restaurant. No, I'm it kidding. was kind of neat. Big jet? It was a DC-7 or something. Like so a big older, jet. Well, it was an older airplane, a prop. Oh, yeah, prop cool. Airplane, but it was oh, pretty prop. neat. Oh, prop, okay. Yeah. Well, it's still but a, but a big uh, commercial airline. Yeah, it was commercial at the, back in the day. Oh, that's really sure. cool. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty yeah. cool. You know, I, uh, I, I know I've seen service stations that have used that in the past. I don't remember exactly where. I want to say it was like a... Gosh, I'm going to mess this up, but I think it was like an old Sinclair station or mm-hmm. something. It was, you know, a, a brand that we don't necessarily have around here anymore or even, I don't know if Sinclair even exists anymore. I'm not sure. That was I the I've one seen, with the green dinosaur on yeah, the exactly. Yeah, exactly. I haven't seen, I've seen advertising and, you know, people talk about it still, yeah. you know, because they're, you know, the people that collect that type of thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, the petrol people. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I know I've seen airplanes used as things like that. But, again, it's fascinating to think of, you know, like this, the second life for a lot of these things, or even third life, really. I mean, yeah, once you get yeah. down to it, because cars that take parts from the you pull it site or you pull it parts lot end up back there again, you know, a decade later. Yeah, which is kind of an interesting for someone thought. to pick again. <laughs> yeah, once once again, <laughs> pick it up, right? All right, so you know what? I think uh, we've pretty much extinguished this topic, at least as far as uh, as this conversation goes. You know, we've got other car stuff episodes that have talked about junkyards and salvage yards and salvage cars and how to avoid buying a car that's been through a hurricane and all that stuff, you know, the uh, everything that goes along with it. So you can check out our archives for that. And, if, you know, if you want to do that, the best place to go probably is iHeart.com. You can search car stuff, and that's the way you find our archive of Oh, gosh, it's probably 900-plus shows at this point. So we've got many, many shows out there. And, again, just do a keyword search, and you'll be able to find whatever you need there. And we are always on social media as well. So, you know, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where we are Car Stuff HSW on all three of those. And, of course, you know, again, when you're at iHeart.com or even if you're on, um, you know, Apple Podcasts or wherever, uh, you can always leave feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Always we're, love to hear feedback. Yeah, we're always, always love ideas. That. Oh yeah, show ideas is something that we are, uh, you know, always trying to get from our listeners because you know we want to make this show for you. We want to make it something that you like listening to as well. And we can come up with lots of ideas, but some of our best ideas uh, come from our audience. So we really Definitely. appreciate it when you do that. So uh, you know, do that, and of course, tell your friends. You know, uh, we're trying to gain listeners as well all the time. So you know, you like what you hear. Or, hey, maybe you don't even like what you hear. Maybe you just want to you know get your friend listening so you can argue about it yeah, I don't know. or laugh or yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right we'll do whatever you want but uh but um i guess that's about it for me kurt how about you uh, that's it for me anything else all right i guess we will uh see you next time and who knows maybe ben will be back maybe and thanks for listening everyone car stuff is a production of iHeartRadio's how stuff works for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. 
Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.